Welcome to Made for Another World podcast with Aaron Alvarado and me, Jacob Simmons. Each week, we have a highly dignified and scholarly discussion regarding an extensive array of Christian literature, stories, and songs with the hopes that we will walk away edified, emboldened, and encouraged. Yes, and, and very dignified of yourself to assume that we are dignified and declaring us so. Well, couldn't it only be a dignified person to declare themselves dignified? Mm, true. But is it undignified to declare yourself dignified? Only if you're undignified, right? Mm, would, would you become undignified? <laughs> would you lose your dignification? Mm, your oh. certification of dignification. <laughs> Probably. These words are getting far too long for me to keep up this conversation. <laughs> We're scholarly. It's okay. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. This is episode seven, Alive in Him by Gloria Furman. Gloria is a wife, mother of four, cross-cultural worker, author, and writer. She lives in the Middle East where her husband Dave serves as the pastor of Redeemer Church of Dubai, and you can read her blog at GloriaFurman.com. As always, we'll not be reading the entire book, but if you want to read more, we'll put a link in the show notes for you. Before we get to our first quote, though, a little bit of context so that we understand what the book is about. Uh, the tiny title under Alive in Him is How Being Embraced by the Love of Christ Changes Everything. And if you don't know anything about Alive in Him, it's it essentially just walks through the book of Ephesians. It's a it's a, a book study on the book of Ephesians. And so uh, it goes pretty linearly, linear, linearly through the book of Ephesians. Uh, and so when we are constantly bringing up Ephesians, that's why. It's, it's a book <laughs> on that. Uh, so getting to the first quote in here. Gloria writes, In the course of Ephesians... We're given a distinctly Christian worldview that addresses the age-old problem of evil. Why do God's children suffer pain and loss if Christ is on the throne? We are comforted regarding the reality of the unseen realm around us. Should we be frightened of the powers and authorities if Christ is exalted far above them? The narrow vision we have for our lives is shown on the canvas of eternity. What are we to make of the mundane moments of our days? Do they matter in God's grand scheme of things? Ephesians reminds us how we have learned Christ and how his gospel utterly transforms literally everything. No realm is untouched. The life of our mind, our emotions, our families, our jobs, our prayers, our worries, everything is subject to the rule and sway of the will of Jesus. We cannot escape or outrun the future grace we've been given in Christ, and our daily lives are profusely marked by God's love and mercy. A holy invasion to fill the void in our hearts has been inaugurated through the Spirit who descends on believers and remains in them. Jesus has bound the strong man and plundered his house, and we are the captives he has released and leads in his train. Jesus is fearlessly and perfectly accomplishing the mission of God to rescue and redeem his children in every corner of the globe. As C.S. Lewis would say in his world-renowned Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is on the move. So we're starting out strong. Yeah. Just coming out out, out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Out to bat. S- strong strong at bat? What is it called? <laughs> when you have a... You're coming out strong out of the gate? That's for horse racing, <laughs> not so. batting. Uh, anywhere where there's a gate, I guess. <laughs> Are there yeah, a lot of... Yeah, coming out... Yeah, strong out of the gate. Yeah. It's it's a, some good stuff <laughs> very early on in the book. <laughs> Just reframe all of it. Uh, and to <clears throat> specifically say, well, what does it have to do with 
life one it kind of has everything to do with life because yeah. it shows it, it paints this picture of the entire book of the bible and and it and it gives you kind of a, a smaller glimpse at just redemptive history um, and so what does it have to do with life it has to do with everything of life mm-hmm. because of that and then i love that she brought in c.s lewis mm-hmm. saying aslan is on the move like that one is in the context of that book when they say that, it just gives you like some chills because yeah. you know, like everything seems to be going wrong, and then you hear that it's like Aslan's on the move. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Maybe maybe things are still bad, but you know the king is coming. Like you know, yeah. and so uh, in the same way, I think the book of Ephesians is that way. It mm. has that sort of uh, maybe things look bad. Maybe there is that problem of evil, mm-hmm. but yeah, the king's coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, and even going back to the what do you call it the tiny title so we call it yeah how being embraced by the love of christ changes everything like you said every it's every 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 aspect of life i mean it is affected by it you can't it has to be affected by it you know like there's no other way and you know i mean she kind of she kind of hints to the point of um like Again, under that same umbrella of what all is affected by this, by God, by Christ, uh, and everything, because God is He's our He's our heavenly Father, and He's our perfect Father, and so everything that we go through, He He sees and know. Like 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 you have daughters, and, and almost a son, or you do already have a son, <laughs> <Yeah>. just inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you everything that you do is is out of love for them right and no matter how it looks or how it feels to them it's out of love and i feel like we've probably talked about this before but like you're a sinner <laughs> you're not a perfect father and and he is and so that's we have to and we'll kind of touch on that a little more as we go through the book but it's like if we see it as that like he is our father and he's watching over us as a perfect father that affects everything. It's not, he doesn't ever close his eyes and look away. You know, it's everything. Yeah. This is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> going on a little bit further. She says, becoming a Christian is a result of being in Christ. It's not merely our countenance, manners, religious habits, or other externalities that have changed since we were made alive in him. At the moment of our conversion, we were altered at the very core of our being. The life of Christ is now in us. Anglican theologian Richard Sibbs put it like this, Before those opposed to each other can be friends, there must be an alteration. And this alteration must either on, must be either on God's part or on ours. On a musical instrument, those strings that are out of tune are adjusted to those that are in tune. In the same way, it is we who must alter, not God. Once we were God's enemies, we are now reconciled to him through his Son. And it is in his Son where we will remain forever. Paul doesn't call us saints because we're holy people in and of ourselves. He doesn't call us saints because a religious organization has conferred on us the title. He calls us saints because God has set us apart and placed us in his son. Our saintliness is what uh, is because of what God, Christ has done on our behalf. We belong to God as his holy people by his own initiative and Christ's work on the cross. Ours is to respond in faith to this gospel. Paul's introductory blessing is apropos, a statement of fact that we mustn't allow our hearts to miss the thrill of pondering. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel, man, it, uh, 
I, I like the analogy of the musical instruments and then the tuning. Like yeah. obviously someone who plays a little bit of music. Um, I thought it was really clever and cool. Um, it's really all I have to say on that part, but <laughs> I liked it. No, it was good. And that we have, we are the ones who must be altered, like not, not God. Um, and I mean, we, we are totally depraved, right? I mean, there's, God saves us through God by the power of God. <laughs> like God From saves God. us yeah, through <laughs> Christ. And the only, that, that whole section we just read, the only thing that she notes uh let's see our see ours is to respond in faith to this gospel yeah a faith that isn't even ours either we only have the faith because he's given it none of this is ours i don't remember what episode we talked about something similar to this but i remember saying like if i had any part to play in my salvation i would it wouldn't be salvation because i would be sinfully proud of it like yeah. if i had anything to do with it at all because that would be an, an incredible thing, right? I mean, if I could somehow play a part in that, man, how awesome would I be? Yeah. I have nothing, I have no part in that. Thank God that I don't. That's totally for my good and his glory, right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I love that it's that faith that is, like that is our, our response, our response to the gospel. What she says uh, ours, ours is to respond in faith to this gospel. Um, I, I love that she says that because it's still, like that's still our job. That's still our, yeah. our call. Even if we've been a believer for hundreds of years, <laughs> as though that's possible, um, for a hundred years, I'll there say. You go. There you go. Um, but even if it was a hundreds of years, yeah. the, the call is still the same. It's still to right. respond to God in faith through Christ. And and so the, uh, like, it doesn't change. It's not like that we move beyond Christ. We, we get to, mm. oh, now we get to deeper things, you know, move on from an elementary, you know, up to a college level, you know, like that. No, it's, it's kind of building in the basics forever. Right. Uh, and they're glorious basics. It's not just like when I, when we played soccer, we had to do the cutback drill, the pullback drill over and over and over again. I could do those in my sleep because um, we did them so often, but they became monotonous. It became, uh, unless you're doing it in a game, it's so boring. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you lose track with that, you start to lose track with it in the game. Mm. And so uh, the difference is with Christ, you, there's no sleeping on it. There's no like, oh, this is going to get boring. It's the basics that are the most amazing. You do it and then you you get a little bit better at understanding it. And then you have to grow in it more because it's even more beautiful and there's more contours and aspects to it that you never saw before. And I'm taking that in a weird direction <laughs> now that I think about it. But I love that that's still the case. It's yeah. still mm-hmm. um, like it, that's for all Christians. Ours is to respond to faith, f- respond in faith to this gospel yeah. um, today, right now, five seconds from now, whenever I'm reminded of it, tomorrow morning. Uh, the same way. It's still the same call. So yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. In my experience, this, this is Gloria speaking, <laughs> in my experience in sharing the gospel, I've noticed that most people do not contend with the idea that God is mighty to save and that he indeed retains the prerogative to save sinners because he is, after all, God. What most people do take issue with is his willingness to save them and change them. Sure, right, I know he can save me, but would he? 
God's willingness is called into question, and his willingness is usually evaluated from the vantage point of that person's fluctuating, circumstantially-based emotions. If you struggle with this, I'm raising my hand here too, B2, then watch how the record gets straight, uh, gets set straight in verses 4 through 6. It says that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. This is no last-minute grab off the shelf when you reach the cash register. Our salvation is not the effect of a thoughtless impulse by, but it is the impulse of the holy triune God who determined to save us from before the foundation of the world. He chose us not because we were already holy and blameless like he is. We weren't. Perhaps hearing that you're being chosen is not because of your goodness is news to you. You may have been under the impression that God owed it to you to save you because you worked so hard to please him. Many of us may even balk at such an understanding of salvation and think, I would never believe that. I know that salvation is all about grace. Even so, we may still be tempted to live as though God were obligated to bless us because of our goodness. I become aware of this struggle in my own heart any time I suffer a trial and wonder, why me? Remembering that God chose us to be holy and blameless before him rather than because we were already holy and blameless is a freedom bell in the sinner's heart. We're comforted by this doctrine when we're feeling sheepish and vulnerable. God chose us. Let gospel freedom ring. Uh, okay. Um, where, where do you start with that? Uh, just coming back to, I'll, I'll go to when she raises her hand. I had to raise my hand too because that's, that's me. I, I often um, find myself thinking that way. Uh, and then when she says, we, we may still be tempted to live as, as though God were obligated to bless us because of our goodness. I'm there, but I'm also on the opposite end of that spectrum in that mm. uh, I think God should curse me because I've been bad, uh, because I've sinned against him. It's like, well, I, I shouldn't pray to you. I shouldn't open your word and be refreshed. I shouldn't go spend time with your people and, and be refreshed or encouraged in that way because I don't deserve that. Mm. Uh, and then on the... I don't, this one I don't struggle with as much because I don't feel like I'm as good as I am bad. Um, but on that other side of it, I do have that sense in which I've done some, I've done some reading and praying. I've, I've served a lot this week, but this is still going wrong. What's going on here? You know, like there's, yeah. um, while not understanding, not putting this to bear, not putting that truth from Ephesians to bear that, uh, no, it's actually, like that was settled before everything, before right. the foundation of anything ever, uh, before there was an earth, before there was Adam, it was all settled. And that is, like she says, it's a, a freedom bell that's ringing in our hearts if we let it. Uh, if, we, if we move away from that goodness gospel, if we move away from that, uh, or badness loss of gospel, <laughs> there's surely a better way to say that, but... Uh, I thought that that was a very good way to, to, to bring that home, was bringing in all of those examples. Yeah. Yeah, and I like how she lays out um, when she's talking about how people struggle um, or how we, we all struggle essentially to an extent of, of how he saves, who he saves, when he saves. Uh, and she says, I, I know he can save me, but would he? And she said, God's willingness is called into question, and his willingness is usually evaluated from the vantage point of that person's fluctuating, circumstantially-based emotions. <laughs> and that's just us as humans, right? I mean, 
again, thank God I have no part in, in any of this, in my salvation or, or sanctification or any of that. Uh, but the our, our fluctuating uh, and circumstantially based emotions, like we will always be that way, but God is never that way. God doesn't fluctuate. God is steadfast in all of his ways, and God isn't uh, bound by circumstances. He makes the circumstances <laughs> like it is, and so which is where the difficulty comes from, right? right? Because because we aren't God, we don't have divine brains. We think like humans, and that's that's where the struggle comes in there. But also, you know, we know the truth, and so we have to remember, as hard as it is, that he he's not fluctuating. I'm the one fluctuating. I'm the string that needs to be tuned. Like there's, mm-hmm. ah, man, he's. W- I don't know how to fr- like we're never going to get it like we 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 know it yeah. but we can't get it yeah. at the same time which is cool and frustrating I guess <laughs> like <laughs> but yeah I I like that though his he he's the opposite of what she just described hmm. how we are when we are thinking of him yeah well okay we are uh Romans 5 6 while we're still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly uh, I get that from a salvation standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was me pre-salvation. Where, where I struggle with this kind of thinking is, yeah, but I've sinned post that too. And I was categorically from Scripture made alive. And so I shouldn't be doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think where my brain is constantly frustrated is, Am I dead or am I alive? Am I, because I live as though I'm both at times. I, sometimes minute to minute, it's completely different. And um, the, so I get that on a, on a salvation level, but on a sanctification level, it's always baffled me. It's always hurt my head. So um, when it comes to something like this, like where, where do you think this salvation before the foundation of the world plays into sanctification and not just mm. salvation. Yeah. You're asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a question. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> yeah, no, it it is a struggle. I mean it's and it I mean the I mean salvation isn't for our flesh, right? And so that's where while we're bound in these in these flesh bound mm. bodies. Um that's where a lot of the struggle is gonna come from. And obviously the sin isn't within our actual flesh, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh but that's a big part of it, and and that's part of uh, the sanctification process, I guess. I don't have a good answer for this, really. Yeah. But <laughs> take more of your flesh away. Uh, you know, just did say cut off your right hand. There you go. Take out your eye. Let's do it. So less flesh <laughs> yeah. physically. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you're on to something. <laughs> that's not what we... No, no, no. Yeah, we don't, don't endorse do that, that yeah, for no. sure. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. <clears throat> Okay, Gloria writes, What does it mean that we are in Christ? Being in Christ is the overarching reality in which the people of God find themselves. It is like the key that interprets the map. The pan-ethnic bride of Christ is created by God to be a new humanity of people who are co-crucified, co-buried, and co-risen with Christ. God has placed us in Christ fully. No believer is half in or partly in Christ, but completely in Christ. If you've been crucified with Christ, then you have been permanently changed forever. 
This supernatural change is so drastic that you no longer live. Of course, you are still you, but you are you in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross physically, your old self, who was a slave to sin, spiritually died. The chains of sin and the cords of death are broken. When Paul says that we are in Christ, he is applying that Old Testament principle or fact that we are represented by someone. That is, just as all Adam's offspring are in Adam, and just as the nation of Israel was represented by the priest who offered sacrifices or the king who led the people, so all believers are now in Christ. When we see Paul using the phrase in Christ, he's not merely saying that we are to walk in Christ's footsteps as though the message of Christianity is merely that Christ followers do what Christ would do. We certainly ought to look like our Savior, but our moral performance is not the source of our justification. Christ's moral performance is the source of our justification, and being in Christ is being united to him and receiving all the blessings that are part of Christ in the heavenly places. Being in Christ is indeed the one great permanent circumstance. If you're in Christ today, then 30 trillion years from now, you will still be in Christ. Mm. Man, in in Christ for a trillion years sounds amazing. Like I could, I could get used to that, right? Like, <laughs> but then 30 of them. Yeah, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then that times 30. I can't, yeah. that's too much. I can't think, not, it's not too much, <laughs> right. but I can't think that much. Yeah. I can think a trillion. I can't think 30 trillion. <laughs> I, draw the line I can there. count, ready? One, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but just the, the, the peace that comes from knowing that once I am in Christ, there is no becoming out of Christ. And, and, and the, 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 not the fullness, but how we are fully in Christ. Like if you, it, like it made me think of adoption and, and I'm not an adoption expert. So hopefully none of these things I'm about to say are wrong, <laughs> but like you can't partially adopt someone. I don't think like you adopt them or you don't yeah. like, and, and then they're yours. So for instance, say you want to adopt a child, you and your wife, um, that child can't just walk around and call you mom and dad and be considered yours, right? Like you have to, you adopt them, you make them yours. They are now in your family. They are now in you because you have made them yours. You have made them, you have adopted them into that. And there's no partialness to that. Like it's, it's full on or it's nothing. And <laughs> that's the scary part. Like, cause if you're not at all, then you're not at all. Hmm. And, uh, it I just, yeah, I mean, that's just like a sigh of relief reading that. Uh, okay, I'm fully in Christ, always in Christ yeah. for 30 trillion years, yeah. times infinity. Man. When it's, so Chris, in his sermon, said, uh, Chris, he's our buddy from Rockfield, Rockfieldville? Rockville. I don't know. Missouri. <laughs> There's some rocks there, yeah, I, I yeah. believe. But, Something um, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he talked about adoption and said that, um, you know, not only has God adopted us, everyone who is adopted knows just how high of a price that is. Like it's $40,000 right. if you, you know, adopt in, internationally. Um, and yet the, the blood of Jesus is the mm. price that he has paid. And so when it comes to how is this true? Well, because it was infinitely valuable blood that has purchased us and so it's we are in christ forever because the the payment was forever in infinite 
It's just <laughs> I can't even word forever, these things. Yeah. <laughs> I can't word these things. I can't put these words out of my head. I can't even think them. Uh, it was, yeah, it was infinitely worthy blood. Yeah. And so there you go. just, so yeah, 30 trillion, 60 trillion, doesn't even matter. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> does not compute. Um, but so that was one thing that I thought about. And then, uh, so eternity does scare me a lot of times just because I have such a finite brain. Mm-hmm. Um, next year scares me. I, I like thinking about what's happening now and, and sometimes tomorrow. I'm not great at, at um, what's it called when you have something, you can see the, not you can see the future, <laughs> but you can see like, what you want for the future. Yeah, like, I don't know, pl- uh, planning ahead, setting goals. <laughs> yeah, but it has to do with seeing stuff. <laughs> oh, seeing your goals? Yeah, but it's a, you, you cast. Uh, Visualize. Vision. Yeah, vision, vision, yes. <laughs> I'm not good at that. That's all I was trying to say. Uh, but, so it's, as much as eternity does scare me, it, it is comforting knowing that what we're doing here, praising God, worshiping, will be what we're doing for eternity. Like, I, I'm, I'm always going to be learning about Christ in the same way that I am now. As as brain-blowing, mind-blowing as that is, <laughs> it blows all of it, um, the... That will that at that at least will be true. Yeah. Um, so so for instance, uh, Psalm thirty verse twelve says, "Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever." So mm. right there, I I give thanks to God on a very small level now, um, and that's something I will do forever. And and when I'm giving thanks to God, it's one of the sweetest things because I I start going down that road and I think of. 30 other things that he's done for me. And I think, man, I'm so thankful for this. And I'm thankful for this. And that right there is comforting. And I know that I'll be doing that at mm-hmm. least. And so yeah. as much as eternity does scare me, I, at least I know God will be there. I love him. And I, <laughs> all the other details I'm sure will be fine once I get there. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will be really fine. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. A little bit further on, we need to lose the mental image of our pre-Christian state as being a drowning person, helplessly flailing about in the water, hoping upon hope that someone might throw us a life preserver. Outside of Christ, we are, in fact, spiritual corpses rotting on the ocean floor among the silt and sludge. The mention of our deadness and transgressions and sins speaks to the comprehensive state of our lifeless soul. We are all, Jew and Gentile alike, spiritually dead outside of Christ, which is the biblical diagnosis of fallen man in society everywhere. Lest our fragile hearts sink within us, remember that Paul does not conjure up thoughts of our past in order to condemn us, as Satan does. Paul brings up the past so that we can see the matchless work of Christ in our lives. Any whiff of death is meant to enliven our senses to God's great power in Christ to save us from all the things that enslaved us. Each of us, no matter how gilded or comfortable our cage seemed, was in a compliant bondage to forces that were hell-bent on our destruction. Fallen men and women are rebels against the right and gracious authority of God, which means they have pledged allegiance to God's enemy and follow his lead instead. And so it is with all who are yet outside of Christ. This is why we are the objects of God's just wrath. Deep and dark bottom of the ocean deep um 
but so yeah. helpful because yeah. I remember being not a Christian and thinking something along the same lines of, uh, you know, I, I'm not making the best moral decisions. Maybe Jesus will help me with that. Maybe he'll help me to stop sinning. You know, like I, I remember thinking things like that and, uh, the degree to which that was Holy Spirit versus Jake, I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, say that those thoughts came from anywhere except for me. But, um, but I do remember thinking, you know, it's just kind of a, it was a sweet add-on, like a sweet bonus. Like I still kind of live the way I want to, mm. but but be saved forever. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but this is a much better way to paint the picture of mm. no, it, it's you're a corpse mm. rotting, yeah. and there's no way for it's exactly what you said. Of there's no way for me to save myself. There's no, like, uh, maybe if I do flail around a little bit more, then this, the, the plane that's flying overhead will see me. No, I'm, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do anything. I can't raise a, I'm dead. I, I can't think <laughs> anything. You know, I, I'm, I'm not alive at all. And that's what we are in our spiritual state uh, because that's how grossly offensive sin is to God, that that's the curse, is that's, mm-hmm. that's how dead it is it makes men and women um, is because it's against such a good God. And so uh, I think that's a much better picture of it, of that, of who we truly are in our sinful, our most sinful state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like she said, we have, we have, we need to lose that mental image of us flailing about because I'm just going to basically repeat what you just said, but like if, if, if we're not fully dead, like outside of this just in general like if say i'm almost dying like if i have a little bit of life in me then i have something to give to to try to extend that life or to continue in life same thing with our salvation like if if we don't if we don't recognize and admit and know that we were fully well that we were dead i guess <laughs> dead fully dead is there a difference there <laughs> just a little dead if we were you know if we weren't dead then we had something to do with it and and we don't like i've already said over and over again (laughs) but we that we have to lose that image we have to forget that it's not it's not okay hey i'm I'm making an effort here and i need some help god can you help me no (laughs) that is not it's god i have nothing i have absolutely nothing and i need all of you for all of me as sounds a whole lot like john legend right now <laughs> not to distract you heard it here first <laughs> but anyway yeah i mean that's that's vital in not only becoming like at salvation like we have to know that but like you were talking about we have to remind ourselves of this stuff all the time like i was dead like i was nothing i was hopeless no, i didn't have any hope at all whatsoever i wasn't flailing wasn't even drowning i wasn't even sinking i was already sunk at the bottom of the ocean no hope whatsoever and how much glorious how much more glorious does that make god with that anyways i mean if we were to say oh you know i was i was really not doing really well with myself but god came in and really helped me out like who cares about that <laughs> like, right. no he's the god who saves that brings the dead to the the dead to life like yeah. ah man good yeah <laughs> very good which also, I mean, so you get back to that point of, God, I have nothing. Even that 
comes from God. Mm-hmm. Like because again, if you think about if we're dead, we can't even offer up that prayer. We right. can't say we cannot say a sinner's prayer without God saying, "Hey, say that prayer." You know, like yeah. without God giving us the faith to even to have that conversation. Like we can't get into any of that. We can't walk an aisle or you know, however people want to phrase that how that's happened. Yeah. Um, I think truly, if we get down to it, when we say like. When God saved us, it was a long time mm-hmm. ago, according, yeah. according to Ephesians. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Lose the mental image. Yeah. Going on a little bit further. In Ephesians 2, 4, we read what is perhaps one of the most cherished phrases in the Bible, but God. It is the hinge of hope for desperately lost sinners like us. It is the climax of every gospel presentation. It leaves behind it a swelling wake of grace that will continue to ripple into eternity. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. The world, with all its birth pangs of tribulation, will continue until the appointed time on the course that has been predetermined by its creator, who is the holy judge of all the earth. But to all those on whom God sets his great love, those people will escape the wrath of God because of the rich mercy of God. Those two small words in the English language, but God, are pregnant with eternal significance and hope. One can almost feel the upheaval of relief as hope bursts forth out of Ephesians 2.4. The idea held forth in that verse holds your gaze as a glimpse of the real joy to which all other joys are but a distant echo, as J.R.R. Tolkien put it. So we behold the glory of God in his rich mercy and his great love, but to what end? Why? We hang on to the but God of the gospel by faith through grace because in that gospel we trace that the echo back to the source of all things. We find joy himself and oh, what kindness we've been shown by God in Christ Jesus. For we were not even looking for him when he found us. Our deadness is interrupted by rich mercy, and we are raised to life in the throes of unlooked-for upheavals of joy. This kind of tasting and seeing of God's goodness tells us that there is more to life than what we can taste and see. Then we become hungry for more and more of it, and our eyes will not stop searching the horizon of eternity, hoping to catch a glimpse of the beloved who promised that he would return for his bride. In the meantime, until his longed-for appearing, we wait, and in our waiting... We live. We live. First, we are granted the mercy of living outside the Garden of Eden, even though we had been dead in our sin. And second, God's grace sees to it that those who are in Christ are made alive together with Christ. The soul is raised to life. We are raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. (sighs) Again, we, we weren't looking for him when he found us. And I don't, that phrase is always weird to me, like, cause find something means you didn't know where it was, you know, like sure. we obviously knew where we were, but just, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm just going over the same <laughs> stuff again, but it's just, it's so, there's so much peace there. Like there, I, I wasn't looking, like you just said, I there's nothing I could have done because I was dead. Nothing a dead person can do but be dead <laughs> and continue to stay dead unless something changes that. And the fact that there's enough love 
within the creator of the universe to look on someone like me to make me not dead but alive and not just alive but alive in Christ and then what that leads to that I'm now an heir alongside Christ and it's it just like <laughs> like what do <are> you <laughs> it's just so wonderful uh, I was gonna quote Drake but that might be weird like <laughs> well because I was thinking like we started we're dead and then we end up you know we started from the bottom now we're here now we're here like <laughs> Not a great person to quote the on the gospel us. according <laughs> to Drake. I like it, John Legend. We got Drake. Man, we're just hitting them all. Yeah. No, but it just like that. Like it's just the the ascension that we have nothing to do with, but are brought on. It's just. Well, I mean, what what even can you say other than just thank you, God? Like yeah. I, it's just <laughs> golly, <laughs> golly, man. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it reminds me of what you said in our doxology and theology episode of um, God, no matter how you feel, God is worth praising. No matter how, like, what has happened to you this week or next week or anything like that, that doesn't change who God is. And so he's always worthy of worship. And because of that, like, because of, not, I mean, not only that, but there's millions of millions of reasons, but that is a giant yeah. one. That, we don't need the millions. Just the yeah, one right. is enough, but yes. then times a million. <laughs> and so for, for any of us to ever say, like, uh, to yawn at that is, oh, man. And I, I say it because I do it. You right. know, I, right. it, it breaks my heart in sober moments to look back and see, like, what? Mm -hmm. How how do you take that for granted? Yeah. You know, I, how do you read Ephesians and not mm. just blow up inside with joy and and man <laughs> speechless i yeah. think yeah it's a good place to be on a podcast yeah <clears throat> so yeah speechless <laughs> um okay so we're we're building this theme of um being alive in christ we're, we're kind of building it throughout and then uh what does that look like with our hearts and this is what she gets into next she says let your heart beat with a new heart that's how our heart will be aligned with God's heart. God's word tells us that the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Uh, it is a liar and not to be trusted. That's why you need a new heart, one God provides through his new creation in you at the moment of your conversion. God replaces our heart of stone that is prone to wander, that conglomerate of lies more alluring than guilt-free dessert and more asinine than clickbait headlines, and replaces it with a heart of flesh that is prone to love him. And as he gives us his spirit to live in us, a truth Paul introduced us to in Ephesians 1.14. The gift of the spirit is, an, is no mere IOU from God to cash in on later. No, he's the reality of the new creation life that we are already beginning to taste. Does your soul pant for God as a deer pants for water? Do you long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word like a newborn longs for its mother's milk? Do you groan inwardly, longing to be clothed in your eternal body? Does your heart tremble and beat faster when you wonder what it will be like to toss aside your dim mirror and see him face to face, knowing fully that rumbling, aching hunger you sense for the new creation is but the beginning? It is the Spirit waking up your spiritual taste buds to taste and see that Jesus is good. The Spirit has been given to you fully. 
God has not given him to you only in part. And when your earthly tent is raised incorruptible in the resurrection, you will freely enjoy the glory of God without the hindrance of remaining sin. All our soul panting, spiritual milk craving, inner groaning, and heart thrills are informed and enhanced by God's word. Even today, will you by faith follow the Spirit's prompting to feed on God's word as Jesus did, to let him make your soul's mouth water at the banquet that is unlike anything you've ever seen? Mm. Okay, uh, just so much here. We cannot possibly break down every part of this. And the whole book is this way. It's just boom, 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 boom. I mean, you have to take it slow through this book, which we're not doing a great job of. But uh, (laughs) So starting out with how how does my heart beat for God? Uh, Well, God has to give you that heart. Mm. Um, And so Ezekiel... Uh, 36, 26, and I will give you, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Um, Beautiful. Mm. Love that that is, again, we're coming back to over and over and over again, salvation, sanctification, all of it is God's work in us, and we have parts to play in it. But it's mostly responsive work to what God is doing. And I I love the way that uh, John Piper puts it. It says, we essentially just act out the miracle. So we're acting out whatever, like God has done all the hard work. We're just walking in what he's done. Um, So I I love that he says that. And then to to bring it to, what does that heart beat for? It beats for Jesus. Where do we see Jesus? So then your heart beats for God's word. And then that's the... Like what you're craving, what you desire in those um, like deepest parts of your soul is when you get into God's word, it's being satiated. You're tasting and seeing a little bit of of what you are longing and and craving for. But even that is only the beginning, which we all say, yeah, yes and amen, because we see little bits of it sometimes. Sometimes it's like, oh man, I I feasted on scripture. I had a, a great... 45 minutes and I, you know, I don't know, maybe that's not a feast for you. Maybe a feast is (laughs) shorter time than that. But um, in any case, like we all know that, man, I'm I'm not sanctified, but I want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not fully there, but I feel like I am, am closer than I've ever been. And I love Jesus, but I still sin. And so that shows that I don't love Jesus and how, how that all works out. So, I, all, all that to say, I love that that's where she led it to is, is mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess Paul led her. <laughs> God led Paul. <laughs> it's all God. Uh, but to say what you're longing for is found in God's word because it's Jesus that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. All that to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all of that to say. <laughs> I, I just love the imagery that God gives us of that, it, that it's a new heart. And, and I think I've mentioned this before. Like, it's not, let me, let me change your heart. Like, let me, let me fix your heart. Let me make the heart that you have better. But it's no, let me get rid of your old heart and then give you a fully new one that loves me, that my spirit is in. Like that, man, that, that, I don't know why that, that always just kind of like, oh yeah, new, it's all totally new, you know? Like, I don't even, I was trying to think off the cuff of like a good analogy, like, like a car or something, you know, like you can, yeah, it, it, you kind of 
remodel a car is that the right word what do you call it when you redo a car what's the uh pimp my model yeah basically hey yeah. when you pimp a car exhibit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like yeah that's cool but a brand new car is always just uh, you know i mean it's there's just something about brand new and that's what he makes us that's the heart that he gives us and i just i've always i've always loved that i thought that was really good and then and just the fact that i mean she talks about how you know longing but through the spirit essentially you know i mean and i even we talked about, you know, if you're in Christ, truly in Christ, you will always be in Christ. And then we have that spirit. And not that it's really necessarily necessarily on this point or topic, really, but, I mean, I can remember later in my, like, 20s, I guess, or I guess through my, through my my throughout my 20s, I kind of had this stint where I, I mean, I grew up in a strong Christian home, and then I kind of just, I don't, like, not drifted away, but I always call it my lukewarm stage. Like, I was, I wasn't out, you know, doing drugs and shooting people, but I wasn't in church. I wasn't in community the way I needed to be. And like, I, like I could feel almost like I could tell you, like my flesh was like, yeah, just sleep in on Sundays and be lazy and don't waste your time reading your Bible. And then there was still like, I could feel like the spirit was like, 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 I don't know if it was this point, but talking about how the deer pants for the water. And I was like, it was there. Like I was panting for it, but I wasn't going for some reason, maybe every now and then, but like I could, like, it was like the most literal experience of the spirit, you know? And so it's just, it's real, man. And, but only because of the new heart that God gave me, uh, yeah, I could just go on and on. But I'll just stop, I guess. But <laughs> again, uh, so good. <laughs> Call me, man. Yeah. So good. Okay. Put, um, take Ephesians and just put it on the fridge. Yeah. Right? The whole... Have you ever read Ephesians? It's pretty good. Dude. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, on, it's on the fridge. It's in the garage. So I yeah, guess it every now and then. Uh, okay. We have a new heart. God gives us a new heart. It says, I will give you a, a heart of flesh now. Mm-hmm. Um, are we capable then of putting, you know, hardening those, hardening our heart back to, mm. because, you know, you see in, in scripture, you've got, of course, Pharaoh's the most, I think, famous example of, yeah, uh, you know, it says he hardened his heart, but God hardened his heart. Like both of those are happening. Right. Um, and so... Of course, I'm not saying that Pharaoh was saved, but for for us, mm-hmm. God has given us a new heart, but we somewhat tarnish it, right, mm-hmm. by our sin, mm-hmm. by saying, like, I'm, I'm going to go feast on this, and if I feast on something that is physically bad for my physical heart, my heart's going to feel that. Right. And so in the same way, is that true spiritually? Am I tarnishing God's heart that he has given me, even though God gave it to me and I shouldn't be able to? Am I... No, am I in the matrix or have I? <laughs> <laughs> well, but he didn't give us a, a perfect heart. He gives a new heart, like that he knew mm-hmm. was he. He knew he was who he was giving it to, right? You know, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, yeah, and that's a very good argument. I don't know that you're, I don't know that you're making an argument, but I'm, I'm angry <laughs> to be yeah. right now. But I, it's it's the heart that gives us the ability to do what we weren't doing with the, the heart of stone. Right, if that makes sense, yeah, a little bit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and well, maybe it's like other things in scripture where it's it's tr- it's true in shadow form right now, but it will be true one day. So that heart of flesh will 
mm-hmm. truly come with a resurrected body. And yeah. so there will no, there will no be, <laughs> but there will not anymore. Mm. There will no longer be any tarnishing of the, the heart that God has given us. And that, oh, that will be a glorious day. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Thanks for answering my question. You're very welcome. I'm very scholarly. Yeah. <laughs> and dignified. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just me? You're scholarly. Yeah, there we go. I'm dignified. Yeah. Sco- scholarly. Scholarly. <clears throat> scholarly, man. <laughs> okay. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's Lamentations 3. We have cause for increasing joy in Christ as we revel in his mercy, and we smile because we know it is always morning somewhere. Every other love we experience in this life just falls so short. Sometimes my iced coffee goes lukewarm. Sometimes my darling children annoy me. (laughs) Sometimes my friends don't respond to my needs the way I thought they would. Sometimes my husband thinks of himself before he thinks of me. While I remain in this body that is beset with sin, I'm tempted to live as though the world revolves around me, and I'm regularly disappointed. But when this perishable body is raised imperishable, I will be I will be free from sin, and I will see finally and forever how the cosmos is centered on Christ, and no one will be able to dampen my joy ever again. It's a good thing that eternity will last forever because it will take us that long to experience all the dimensions of Christ's love for us. Man. If this wasn't attached, we'd drop it. (laughs) Yeah. This mic. Uh, Man, but when when this perishable body is raised imperishable, which is in 1 Corinthians, I will be free from sin, and I will see finally and forever, again, how the cosmos is centered on Christ. (laughs) <laughs> so we have our moments when whether it's at church or just with other believers or by ourselves reading scripture or having a time of worship where like we like we we behold God's glory and how much joy that gives us you know in that moment like oh you know and then we 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 express that in in worship typically but we don't fully get it. Like we, you know, again, like I was saying, like we, we know it, but we don't get it. And so I, like, I think of those moments of, of joy or, you know, like I can, we were at, I don't remember what conference it was in Atlanta last G3. year, G3. Yeah. And there were multiple times, but <laughs> there were a couple times where, uh, I know it was Conrad uh, and Bayway after he spoke, and then I think it was one after. I don't know. There were a couple times where, like, you just hear that message, and they're just like, they these speakers do such a good job of just showing you like how good God is, and then we go into song singing about it. Like, like I wasn't. Even, I'm just crying, just just sitting there in my chair. Like I can't even stand. Just it's so beautiful. I'm so overwhelmed by the glory of God. And yet, I still don't fully get it. But when we finally do fully get it, the uh, the joy, I, <laughs> it is just overwhelming to even consider how much joy and how wonderful that's going to feel. And it, and that's weird almost because, like, as humans, like we feel really good. Like I feel really good and and full of joy when things are like lift me up, you know. Yeah. But that's not what this is. This is about lifting God up for what he has done. 
and the joy that brings us. Like, how weird is that? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right. that's so contradictory of how we're wired, but it works because it's right. And man, I just, whew, man, yeah. it's gonna be good. <laughs> it, all of what she said there was so good. Uh, one thing I hadn't really considered before is uh, we smile because we know it's always morning somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, that God's mercies are new every morning. I know that. Um, but it's literally morning right now, somewhere, mm-hmm. and and so, it, what that implies then is that God is always merciful, and, and His mercies are always new, and and that's literally true. And and so, I I sometimes get into this earthly thinking of. I don't say this out loud, but like God sleeps when I sleep, and so when I wake up from a dream, you know, like having a bad, time, I'm not going to pray because I'm one. Well, He's probably sleeping too. <laughs> I don't think that, but something in me thinks like God's not working right now, right. Uh, or He's, um, I don't know. Like I read from from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew, is four hundred years of God's silence. Mm. Uh, he's still working. Right. He's still <laughs> upholding the universe. Yeah. He's doing everything. But in my head, it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, okay, he just he's not here right now. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, if that's true. Well, the last book of the Bible was written. <laughs> you know, there's been a much longer period of silence, yeah. scripturally speaking. Right. Um, so, what has he been doing now? If if that was true, yeah. Um, but so to think about that—that that it's always morning mm. somewhere. Yeah. Um, truly, maybe the sun's not up, but uh, if if my heart is so under such distress or duress that I feel like I'm, I should cry out to God. I should absolutely do it. He, he's working. He's my little cry is not going to overwork God. <laughs> I, like he's he's not sleeping. He never sleeps. Yeah. And just like you said, he never he never changes. He never alters. He's not like uh, he doesn't fluctuate the the same amount of fluctuation. He doesn't he doesn't change like I change. He doesn't <laughs> seem to have you know times where he's on and times where he's off. God is always good, and mm. that is. So for this to say God is always merciful is just so good. Right. Can we say anything else <laughs> other than so good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then secondly, uh, it, it made me think too. That, so she says it's a good thing that eternity will last forever because that it will take us that long to experience all the dimensions of Christ's love for us. Mm. Um, that's that's a, a reality that's more true than my brain can understand. And it's exactly what you just said, um, and it's exactly so. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes um, in one of his books, and he talks about you know things being more real. So uh, gravity is heavier um, in this place that he was, you know, symbolizing heaven, and so uh, it's more real, mm. and so things are heavier. There's mm. you, the grass will cut you because it's that sharp. Everything is that much more real. This is like that feels more like it has more gravity to it. And yeah. all all of everything that we've talked about so far just feels more real. And I can appreciate that and still at the same time have no clue what that even <laughs> means. And I'm just left worshiping. Yeah. I, yeah. How do you... <laughs> this doesn't make sense, man. <laughs> I know I'm made in the image of God, but... <laughs> That's a, a poor image. You know? <laughs> at least my brain is. Jeez, uh, it's like a like an image. If you're looking at like a like you're in a fun house, like one of those <laughs> the, the warped mirrors or whatever. Like, yeah, it's kind of there, but oof. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or if you just have no vision whatsoever, you know, like those kind of images. <laughs> Uh, that's, a, that's a great splotch. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> a little bit further on. She writes, Without grounding in solid doctrine concerning who Jesus is, we will get tossed around according to whatever spiritual fad is trending. The illustration Paul gives is that we are like children tossed by waves. Picture a little kid bobbing up and down in the ocean at the mercy of the current, and you're on the right track. Satan doesn't need to be creative in his attempts to divide asunder the members whom God has joined together. How does he do this? Spreading lies concerning the character of God is all Satan needs to do to divide us, just as he did in the Garden of Eden. Think about the slither of that serpent. Number one, simply hiss a lie into the eardrum or mind of an image bearer. Number two, the lie tumbles around, causing chaos. Number three, the immortal soul is carried away with self-consuming doubt. And number four, division and isolation occur as the heart turns in on itself. Satan knows that if you're busy coping with your own spiritual seasickness, then you're not busy building up those around you. Not only do we need to be individually on guard against believing false doctrine, but we need to watch out for one another. The adversary's lies affect my brother and sister, and because they are joined to me and I to them, those lies affect me as well. I care deeply whether my sister is being carried away by winds of false doctrine through the pages of the latest chart-topping so-called Christian book. I care deeply whether my brother is being tossed to and fro by the waves of the so-called prosperity gospel. Ephesians teaches us that each of us has a self-interest in the discernment of our brothers and sisters because self actually refers to all of us. We are one body. The whole church must stand against the schemes of the devil. So good. <laughs> Inarticulate am I when it comes to the things of God. Uh, so, so key to think about. We talked about it in one of our episodes the first season that, you know, we, in, in becoming members, like we're signing up, we have a job to do. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm a member, cool, I might serve sometimes, uh, but mostly I just get to listen. Uh, it's not, I actually have a job. Uh, and that job entails more than Sunday, more than Wednesday. Um, I have I have things to look out for now. I have uh, there are wolf type arguments that I have to be on guard against, and and if I'm not, it might slip in, and and it might hurt someone. It mm-hmm. might pull someone away from the glorious things that we've been talking about, uh, and it might pull them to a God who is somewhat made up. It's, it's a lie about the character of God. And mm-hmm. so um, I love that that's in there because we have uh, a couple of people that, that we know specifically who have just called out like, ah, well, actually, that book came from this person and, and that's actually like heretical or, um, <laughs> you know, we shouldn't listen to this person. Or uh, even as simple as I would be on guard against this because this person said this at one point or you know like the somewhat discernment ministry um mm. those type people are are incalculable not incalculable uh indisputable in <laughs> when you don't want it indispensable dispensable yes um you cannot dispense with them i think that's what that means right i think so you can't <laughs> you can't get rid of those guys um or, or girls because they're they're key they're they yeah. are they're protecting in, in maybe subtle ways, maybe nobody really ever knows except for the two mm. people that talked about it, but um, 
but they're helping all of us to, mm-hmm. to stay on the right track, to see, to behold the true Christ. And so I love that. It was yeah. so good. So good. <laughs> so, so do you like the book? Is it, you think it's good? Uh, I think it's so good. I would say so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when she kind of hammers it home at the end, uh, when it says, because self actually refers to all of us because we're one body. Yeah. Like that's, that is a, a very big part of, of being able to, to, to do this rightly, uh, and be a part of it rightly, I guess, because I know, so like, I, I guess I struggle sometimes with, um, feeling like I need to be the protector more than being protected, I guess, from these false doctrines and, and all these things that, that float mm-hmm. around, which are just crazy now. And I guess with like social media and the internet, it's so easy to, for anybody to fall into something. Uh, but you know, I mean, I guess like, like being raised in a Christian home and, you know, being Christian my whole life essentially and serving in church for years and years and years, like I, I, it's just as important for me to be open for someone to say, Hey, be careful with that. than it is for me to say, Hey, you be careful with that. You know what I mean? Like it, that it's, there's a, a give and take that is, there's not like a, I don't even know, like there's not like a one's more important than the other or like, you know, there's no hierarchy there, I guess, yeah. you know, it's like, Hey, this is anybody can come to me, you know, just because I serve at church and I'm on the elder board. Like that doesn't mean somebody, you know, who just joined the church or isn't even a part of our church, but just as a Christian can't come to me and say, Hey, I noticed this or, you know, be careful with this. Like I should be just as open to that as, as, as anybody. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't know that I said it was a struggle and I don't know that it is, but I just, I think like sub, Subliminally, is that right? No, subconsciously, <laughs> not subliminally. Subconsciously, that is that's there kind of, and I think that's part of. I don't think it has to do with the stuff that I just talked about. I think it's more of just being human. Like I don't want to be told, you know, which is what gives Satan that little bit of a an in there because he's like, oh, you know, people don't want to be told. You know, mm-hmm. people don't want to hear. Hey, I think what you're doing or saying or watching or hearing or reading is wrong. I want to, I have, I'm smart, you know, I'm scholarly, like I can, (laughs) I can figure things out on my own, but we're all just as susceptible to, to the enemy. Um, it's especially if we're thinking that way, then we're even more susceptible to the enemy. All that to say, it's important to be open to people when they say, Hey, be careful, you know, something on my mic. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, so yes. And having, Having been on the other side of that conversation a few times, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of it was doctrinally, some of it was practically, um, and people saying to me, "Hey, here's here's what I think you might be doing wrong." Like they handled it very graciously, but mm-hmm. that inner inner courtroom was like, "Oh, <laughs> hold on, I'm I'm hardly ever wrong about anything." Right. <laughs> um, and uh, my wife is probably laughing the hardest right now. <laughs> uh, but that's what I think in those moments, yeah. you know, but it, over time, it's, it's a very humbling experience to, um, because now those are burned into my brain. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on it, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Like I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. And right. I, I'm very glad that they said that to me. Yeah. But uh, so it, it brings in humility that kind of lasts for a while. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, hugely important job uh but with that Mm -hmm. since since we're called to 
build one another up and we're all part of that body. Yeah. Um, do you think it's, it's appropriate to call it bodybuilding? Mm. <sighs> I don't think I can think of a more appropriate <laughs> phrase, <laughs> phrase to call it. <laughs> I think that's so good. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I said something and then you said it's so good. <laughs> bodybuilding. Yeah. That works. <laughs> Could I put it on the put it fridge? Nah. Oh, okay. So it's not so good, then. It's only kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Get out of here with your dad jokes. <laughs> it's CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is that where that came from? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, CrossFit oh, started, yeah. In, I think it was in Ephesians. Yeah. The Church of Ephesus started oh, CrossFit. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're being serious. <laughs> you have that... Like, you have... A, a weird amount of knowledge of <laughs> historical acts like Odd that. Random you know? stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the whole uh, DC talk, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you knew all the history of that. Yeah, but that's only like 20 years old though. Like <laughs> wasn't that historical, well, his, historical, <laughs> historical. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. New question. Yeah. On some of that. Yeah. Uh, Jars of Clay. Yeah. You know them too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Who, who were they previous band no, members? They were, so those guys, the, the whole the band uh, let me make sure I'm not messing this up they stayed just the four dudes beginning to end wow yeah, yeah. they ended uh yeah they did at some point I think oh. I think I think they kind of went a little eh, a little weird towards oh, the okay. end there yeah but totally random fun fact their debut self-titled album is probably my top five albums of all time Ooh. so just so you know yeah that's okay. good it's a good one <laughs> Interesting. Well, fun do fact for you. Do I? I said, do I know Jars of oh, Clay? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, their titled album, If I Left the Zoo, mm-hmm. debuted at the Dallas Zoo in the parking lot. They set up a giant stage, and, and I just happened to be there. Really? Yeah. Nice. Had no idea what a Jars of Clay was or anything <laughs> like that, but I was like... You were looking for pottery? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just thought I was going to the zoo, and I ended up stuck in the parking lot. They didn't allow people into the zoo. Um, no, but it, that was like huh. my first experience of Christian music ever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Interesting. Because the guy had the little, uh, you know, the fish back with the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh-huh. little... And I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> nice. Little jars of clay. Yeah, I was a big fan. Yeah. Me too. Nice. Especially, well, that album. I don't think I know yeah. any other <laughs> albums. But I listened to that one a lot on yeah. the little tape. <laughs> Love it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Rabbit hole. <laughs> rabbit trail? Rabbit. Goose goose trail? Well, we trailed off rabbit trail. into a rabbit hole. Where do rabbits live? Uh, we should stop. Yeah. But it, what I want to know. Maybe if you know as a, Does it, as a listener. Like a, no, it's not right. I was going to say in a Tuffet, but that's a little Miss Muffet. What's a Tuffet? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> tough Something of... you, when, if you're not doing really well and you need to get out of it, you just... Oh, yeah, you tough it. Tough it out. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Scholarly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could put a little disclaimer at the beginning of that saying, if you want to skip past <laughs> yeah. this. Click here. That little 15 seconds, skip this, hit it four times right now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, mo- moving on from the jars. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Good plan. Gloria, a little bit, f- uh, a little bit further on in the book, she writes, One of my children once asked me what it feels like to be filled with the Spirit. 
Do you feel stuffed full, like you ate too much? How do you know when you're filled up? Those are good questions, aren't they? Mm -hmm. The spiritfulness we desire is not a belly-aching overdose, but worshipful expression of the life of God in us. We are being filled with the Spirit in our Spirit-empowered speaking, singing, giving thanks, and submitting. While we've been given the Spirit and are sealed by Him, our ongoing need to be filled by the Spirit says something about the times in which we live. The kingdom of God has not yet fully come, this much is obvious, but we've already begun to taste and see our eternal fellowship with God through Christ. In Ephesians 5.1, recall how Paul urged us to be imitators of God. In order for this to happen, the Spirit must mediate the filling, the filling fullness of God to us so that we might be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. No, we're not looking to be stuffed full of the Spirit like a plush Build-A-Bear getting stuffed once and for all in the store before an eager child takes it home to play. As we let the Word of Christ, the truth of the Gospel, dwell in us richly, Christ will fill us by His Spirit with the fullness of God. May God grant us grace to not short-circuit that filling by grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's be personally involved as individual new creations and as corporate and as a corporate new humanity in subjecting ourselves to God's growth plan for us. His Spirit is growing us up into Christ our head, changing us to be more and more like Jesus. Mm. So, speaking in tongues and tying my head around my my tying my tie around my head and doing cartwheels that's that's being spilled filled with the spirit right yeah oh, i think yeah. it's being spilled with the spirit spilled with spirit <laughs> yeah <laughs> better way to put it no man that's yeah so if i may read ephesians 5 18 through 21 mm. would that be allowable okay <laughs> i'm going to do it <laughs> and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery Debauchery? Debauchery. What did I just say? <laughs> it's debauchery. <laughs> debauchery. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Is that know why right? that felt weird. That is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's kind of laying out what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, right? So we're uh, singing, we're worshiping, we're praising because we're filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit wants to praise who is worthy of praise, right? And then we're giving thanks always because God is worthy of our of our thanksgiving all the time. And then we're submitting to one another in reverence, so we're being kind, we're being loving. That's being filled with the Spirit. And I know there's just that term alone, you know, filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of a lot of angles on on that topic right there for sure and we're not going to get into a lot of that but if it's if we're being filled like our desire in being filled with the spirit should be should be it causing us to to worship like right i mean isn't that isn't that the point it's not how am i how am i trying to say this like the 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 end result is not I want to be filled with the Spirit so that I can be filled with the Spirit right. of what it does for me, right. but it, what it causes me to do towards God. That should be our goal, to want to be filled with the Spirit. I, you know, I, I can't worship God enough. I can't worship God at all on my own, but I, I, the Spirit within me is what I need to help me worship right and to give thanksgiving right and then to submit to others and to love others rightly. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit, I mean, that's 
that's what that is, right? And so, yeah, we won't get into all of it, but <laughs> but it, this is getting this is elementary. But how how cool is it that we have the Holy Spirit? Like, I mean, it's it's literally a third of the Trinity <laughs> that God said, "Here, I'm going to put this inside of you. Like, this is for you, so that you can know me, that you can remember me, that you can be filled with my like wh- what? Like, <laughs> we're sitting. We've spent this whole I don't know how long now, almost an hour, talking about how incredible God is. We've done it for more than an hour, but <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> for our whole lives, this whole podcast. But like, He gives us His Spirit. Like, that's I, I know for me, I don't revel in that enough. You know, I don't thank God. I, I definitely don't thank God enough for His Spirit, for His Holy Spirit. You know, I, yeah. I thank Him for who He is and what He's done. But I don't, I don't often enough say thank you for for giving Your Spirit. You know, yeah. to dwell. Like, man, it's cool. I, I've heard it said a couple of times throughout life, from different church folk, different. Um, church leaders, I guess, that, you know, there's kind of that second step. You've got, you're saved, and you have the Holy Spirit, but then you need to be, uh, I don't know, baptized with the Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, filled filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes used, sometimes used. Um, so there's almost like this second level of spirituality or something like that, and I love that that's just not here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, no, you're filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate, though, that she does bring up, like, uh, may God grant us grace to not short-circuit that by mm. grieving the Holy Spirit. So there right. is a sense in which um, God desires that we have that fullness that overflows into praise and, and love for others. But uh, there is a sense in which we can hinder that. Mm. We can um, jump in with our own sinfulness and, and not praise, not love, not uh, do anything that God has called us to. And and that's all. So, so I guess there are levels in that there's a there's God filling us with his spirit and then there's us grieving it, but those are the levels. It's not right. I, I can't graduate on to I got more Holy Spirit today. Yeah. You know, like I did it, Mom. <laughs> uh, so I love that, that both of those are in there. Uh well we've been building this case. What what does it look like to be uh alive in Christ? So we've got being filled with the Spirit. We've got letting the Word of God dwell within us richly. We've got uh, everything that we've mentioned so far, but then she also now turns to the schemes of Satan. The deceiver of the whole world who accuses us day and night before God knows that his time is short. He industriously seeks out opportunities to lure us into believing false doctrine and living in its corresponding sin. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, draws unbelievers to himself, and blinds them to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. But our time of spiritual blindness is over. With the precision of a cataract surgeon, the Spirit removed the scales from our eyes. God caused us to turn from demonic darkness, and so we could not be recaptured again. Jesus, when he forgave our sin and placed us in his kingdom, broke the power the devil had over us. God justified us by faith in his son, effectively distancing us from Satan's accusations. The devil has no claim on one placed in Christ. The last Adam, who was vindicated before heaven and earth in his resurrection from the dead. As he rose, we shall as well. Our rescuer will keep us safe until the war is finally over. Though we have no reason to be afraid of Satan anymore, today we are at risk of losing hope. 
The darkness of discouragement and distraction has a strong gravity, and the doctrine of demons an enticing hook. In Paul's prayer, he asked that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we could see our hope. Satan's accusations hold no weight, but the roaring lion still prowls around looking for opportunities to deceive God's children. We need to resist the devil the same way Jesus did, by hiding God's word in our hearts. Merely downloading God's word into our purse on our mobile device just isn't near enough to help us in our moments of need. I don't even know what it was. I can't, I, God did this. And so it's very simple to just like leave it as that. But it was in the middle of the night. I had a horrible nightmare. I don't remember what the nightmare was. And I don't remember what the scripture was. And, and it really kind of, it makes me sad when I think about it. But uh, I woke up, middle of the night, I'm sweating from everything that I've just encountered subliminally, subconsciously. <laughs> and I know that, um, I know that, like, I'm, it's not real, but it felt real. And I'm, I'm struggling in that. And I just started praying. And uh, again, how that came about, God did it. I, I don't yeah. wake up thinking, oh, I should pray, especially in something like that. But I just started praying. And then as I was praying... Um, I remembered a scripture, and it was something along the lines of, um, "God is God is my refuge and my my shield about me," or something like that. And then fell right asleep. Don't know what the dream was. Don't know what the scripture was necessarily, but I I do remember this exact thing. Um, it's not it what it's not near. It's not good enough to have uh, just like some reading every now and then. Like it needs to be pressed in deeply Mm -hmm. to where, uh, you know, we know it subconsciously somehow. And this one maybe is just more miraculous than, you know, like God just gave it to my mind through his spirit. But, um, but there are times that I have had moments of temptation, moments of, uh, you know, of fighting shame from Mm -hmm. sinning and something comes to light from, from what I have read in days past that I, maybe tried to remember maybe i didn't but i've or i read it a, a hundred times before and so i it has now stuck with me and uh f- for instance one of the things that <clears throat> one of the psalmist writes is uh god god placed me placed my feet on the rock and that has encouraged me so much to know like oh it's not like i jumped out of that pit i, I didn't um save myself i didn't like do anything. Right. God placed me on the rock where I am, and that's why mm-hmm. I feel um, the way that I feel now. And so since he's done that before, he'll do it again. He has been faithful to do it when I didn't deserve it back then. I still don't deserve it. Um, in Christ, will you do that to me mm-hmm. again? And so uh, I, I love that. And because that's at the end of the day, here's what I was trying to say. At the end of the day, that's our only fight is God's word yep. deep into our hearts that that's uh, how we battle, it's how we fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we say his, his word, we need it, we need, needs to be written on our hearts, right? Like that's, that's a pretty aggressive statement, right? Like that's, <laughs> it needs to be, like you said, deep. It needs to be heavy. Like, so we, we can read scripture, read the Bible, uh, even memorize it. But if we don't know it, like there's a there's a difference there, you know. Um, and we talked about like the dangers of, of uh, you know, doctrines and and what's right and what's wrong. And 
where that can become a very, very big issue. I mean, Satan himself knows scripture, right? I mean, what, what right. good is it if we just know scripture? But if we know scripture, like we study scripture, we know the sound doctrine, we have good theology, we know what it, what it is, we, we understand context, and it, it's more than just, I mean, I could sit here and just read, I mean, I could read this, I mean, this book, for instance, I could read this book, but not think about it, you know, I just read the words and then just let it go out of my brain after that. We can do that with scripture too. We could sit here and memorize it all we want, but if we don't know what we're memorizing, what's the point? Yeah. Like it's just for the fact of memorizing something. Yeah. Um, so we, we that's, it, I feel like I've harped on this the last few episodes, it seems like, but like we have to be in scripture and we have to, we have to know, we have to know it. Like there's, there's, there's a very, very, very tricky, smart, uh, dangerous enemy that we have, and and he's going to use the things that that we have for our good and try to turn it on. I mean, he did it to Jesus. I mean, himself. If he's, if he's going to try to to turn scripture on Jesus, surely he's going to do it to us. And I'm going to tell you. I'm probably more susceptible to fall to those than Jesus was, okay? I think that's okay to say, right? <laughs> so we need to make sure that we are that we're we're rightly studying. And I say we like um you all people need it. Like I need to make sure that I'm rightly studying scripture and that I'm memorizing it for, not for the purpose of just memorizing it, but for the purpose of writing it upon my heart. So that in those moments where I wake up in the middle of the night or in those moments where I feel the attack from the enemy or in those moments where somebody says something that is contradictory to the truth, if it's written on my heart, I can say, no enemy, no devil, no person saying this, no this, no dream. This is what's true. This is what's right. And then ah, back to sleep, yeah. you know, back to comfort and peace because yeah. it's written on my heart. Well, and if it's any encouragement to anyone, like when you were first saved, um, we didn't really have when you were first saved. We didn't really have uh, when we were, were first there? saved. <laughs> wow, I forgot you were there. No. <laughs> when we were first saved, actually, okay. When we first realized and recognized that God had saved us, I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, we didn't have that same repertoire. We didn't have that same uh, understanding. Yet God right. was still faithful to take care of us, and mm -hmm. and how God's word makes sense and and is alive to the simplest of minds a, a child me mm -hmm. most of the time and then also the most brilliant scholars like how it it feeds all of us it's amazing yeah and so any encouragement like none of us start out with uh right thinking there's still things that we're I was gonna like say, we're still reforming. We still... don't finish yeah, right, right. <laughs> all the right thinking. <laughs> we will one day, right? Um, and so, like all that, to say God speaks to all levels of maturity, yeah, all maturity levels, and all <laughs> every level in between there. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, no, that's good. <clears throat> but for our final quote, Gloria writes. Today cannot possibly be merely another ambiguous day in which we plod for 24 hours only to languish in the same boredom tomorrow. No. For today, we rejoice because our victorious Christ decisively defeated all his enemies, 
clearing them out of his way so that he might build his temple. Today is a unique event filled with unfathomable opportunities to revel in the light of the kingdom that has broken into our lives. Jesus Christ, representative head for the new humanity, is seated at God's right hand. Human dust is on the throne forever. Okay, so uh, let me let me tell you what's going to go on the fridge. Uh, today is a unique event filled with unfathomable opportunities to revel in the light of the kingdom that is broken into our lives. <sighs> yeah, so Ephesians, it's pretty good. <laughs> this is a good book on Ephesians. Yeah. Uh, I mean, man, can we just wake up? Can I just wake up with that, like right. th- that that mindset, that idea of this is a new day for me to just revel in Christ? I some days I do that, right? I mean, don't we all? I mean, some days, I mean, not immediately, but you know, the day starts out, you know, yeah, I love God is good. God is good. Let me praise Him. And there's some days where it takes a while for me to get to that point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I don't want to say that's okay, but it's okay. You know, like that's that's just how things are going to happen. But man, I, I I wish it was just every day my eyes opened. <sighs> Revel in Christ, man. Mm. I guess one day, yes, it will be that way, and that's our for thirty trillion years. Yeah, man. And I, I all along, I mean, <clears throat> we've read it in multiple books now that 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 longing is is part of god's work in us Mm. and so the like you said it's okay like it it certainly seems to be the way that god has designed it and it certainly seems to be the way that god has orchestrated human history to allow us to to deal with these sins and and not be perfect all at once and and have um not only our past sins but our present sins and our future sins that kind of plague us and 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 so there there seems to be at least purpose to that Mm -hmm. um but one day Mm. because i'm with you i don't like it i i get it right well i don't get it (laughs) and i don't like up your mind (laughs) (laughs) i don't get it and i don't like it i trust it yeah Yeah. but one day oh Mm. man Mm. i will wake up that way or i won't wake up but i'll be I'll be awake all the time, but there's yeah. no time. Yeah, we'll be outside Ooh. of time. Oh, uh, 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 no, there's a new earth all the time. Yeah, new heavens and new earth. All I the... imagine that there would be day and night. Yeah, I'm sure. We... But but will but time? I mean, if, I mean, will there be time? That's all another thing. Yeah. All, all join the us time. next week for <laughs> every that of the question. Times. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Well, thank you for sticking with us uh, through some Jars of Clay history. And uh, thank you to, to Gloria for this book. It's it's mm. wonderful. It's yeah. really good. and uh, So good, even. So good, yeah. Even. On the fridgeable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I don't know where that came from, but that's good. That was so God. good. God. Yeah. Um, so one fun fact, mm-hmm. uh, this will actually come out as a giveaway Ooh. here soon. Uh, so... Actually, well, probably I already have it, so what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you like it, if you like what you heard, it again, it, the whole book is that way. Yeah. And so uh, we would highly recommend it. 
But for now, we'll close out with this from Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Through him, that is Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Mm. So as we are alive in him, uh, what that aliveness leads to is acknowledging God, acknowledging uh, who he is, what he has done, everything about him, and giving praise to him. Join us next week as we hear from the Pied Piper. Mm. Until then, this has been Aaron Alvarado and me, Jacob Simmons, and we are Made for Another World. What's a Pied Piper? Uh, I've heard it <laughs> a couple of different ways. You pie the piper. Well, that's what I was wondering. Is yeah. it like you've been pied mm-hmm. or you make a pie out of the piper? Like you're, you've been, you are pied, you are now a pie. Well, what is What's a, piper? a piper? It's a plumber, I think. Oh. Or a bird. Oh. <laughs> or if they make the pie and you pipe the stuff onto the pie. pie. Oh my gosh. Piper? He's a pie piper. Or he's playing a, a bagpipe? A piper? Is that a pipe piper? Maybe they meant. Someone who smokes with a pipe? Whoa. <laughs> There's lots of ways you could pipe. Yeah, I guess you so. You could be a piper. <clears throat> okay, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Are my shorts going to be in this? No. Because they wrote up kind of... Did they? <laughs> I as long as I shall live, I'm testified enough. I'll be a witness enough. enough. <laughs> Do you feel stuffed? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why did I say that so weird? Do you feel stuffed? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, post credits right there. Let's go.